2: Welcome back to Talking It Out with Baster Nation, everyone. Today we have part two of our amazing conversation. So we're gonna skip out on hot takes today
0: and just get right to the interview. You ready, Mike? Let's do it. You just mentioned, you know, not wanting to gossip and or talk about someone else.
2: Mm-hmm. Can
0: we talk about you for a second? Cause there was a lot of things that took place regarding you specifically. Yeah. And on your second one-on-one date with yeah. Clayton, we found out that you were adopted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just want to know, how have you met your biological parents? You know, they uh, yeah. they gave you up for adoption at 20 when they were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And if you have, how was that? And you haven't, you know, talk about that.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, they were 20 years old. They were just um, too young to, you know, be in a place to raise a child. Um, so I was adopted when I was born um, and I it was a closed adoption. I haven't met my biological family. Um, again, you know, they're still young. They're still probably figuring out life um, and they, you know, I think have young children of their own. So um, as of now, you know, I'm not in a place where I, think it's appropriate to meet them and and reach out to them. But um, you know, I'm also not sure if that's something that I'll ever do, to be honest with you. Um I think growing up it was more of a curiosity thing of just, you know, where do I come from? Who do I look like? Um things like that. Um and and I actually was able to, you know, have photos of them. So I do know, you know, what they look like and, and who I take after and things like that. And I think that that cured a lot of my curiosity. Um, but as far as meeting them, I, I have not, I've never had contact with them. And like I said, I don't know Know if that's something I'll ever do it's definitely not on my my radar in the near future um but who's to say maybe one day
2: and when did you mm-hmm. like officially find out mm-hmm. that you were adopted and how mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. was that for you at the moment and, mm-hmm. and moving forward from there
1: Yeah. So I found out I was adopted, um, in about the first or second grade. Um, again, you know, I'm from a really small town in South Carolina. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm part Vietnamese and, um, you know, look different than not only my family, but my peers and, and just everyone from my hometown. Um, And so it was obviously recognizable um, that I look different than everyone around me um, and specifically different than my family. Um, And I just remember, you know, in the second grade, um, I would have kids, you know, when your parents are at, you know, your school functions or picking you up from school, they're like, that's not your parents, that's not your real parents. Who are your real parents? And you're kind of like, what? I don't know how to answer that. Like, I don't know. So, you know, I just remember, you know, asking my parents, like, are you my parents? Like, who are my parents? Like, what am I? Like, was just really confused and, and, it stemmed from, you know, people around me, um, being able to recognize that. Um, so yeah, of course, obviously a really, really challenging thing to wrap your mind around and accept when you're like First eight grade. years old. Yeah. Yeah. very young.
0: How, how do you even respond to an mm-hmm. ignorant statement like that? I mean, obviously they're mm-hmm. all children, but when you yeah. reach out, yeah. what do you say to that?
1: Yeah. You know, looking back, it's so sad because I'm so conditioned to be OK with those kind of comments um, and just really grew up all my life having those kind of comments. Um, and I think, you know, I, I turned that into into insecurity and into hating myself and into not wanting to be who I was. I wanted to dye my hair blonde. I wanted to wear blue contacts because my family all has blonde hair and blue eyes and my peers did, too. I just like so desperately wanted to um not have people say that about me. I just so desperately wanted to fit in and, and look like everyone else. Um, so that was my response, unfortunately, was to, to try to assimilate and and you know be like everybody else.
2: And who in your family was it that you could lean on in times like that when you did feel insecure and you were down on yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, like, mm-hmm. was it your parents?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm actually an only child. Um, so it was my parents. It was my mom um, and my grandma too. Um, on my mom's side. I'm really close with with her and with my mom as well. We're like best friends. Um, and to be honest, I growing up really just leaned on myself because I didn't believe anything coming from my mom. I didn't believe, you know, when oh, your God. mom always tells you, <laughs> Oh, it's so, it's such a yeah. gift to be unique. It's, you know, you, you're extra special, you're extra chosen and extra loved. One day you're going to grow up and be glad you don't look like everyone else. You're going to stand out. And of course, when you're in the second grade, you're like, you're wrong i just want to look like everybody else um and it really took until i was truly an adult like even 20 years old to to fully accept that and um believe finally what she was saying and of course now i can say you were right mom but 20 years it it took a while
2: was there like a moment or where it kind of just clicked Mm -hmm. for you or is that just something that came Mm -hmm. just as you age maturity yeah
1: A combination of maturity and then also um, I think moving to New York really helped me a lot. Um, Like I mentioned, I was born and raised in South Carolina. I went to college in South Carolina and I never lived elsewhere or really um, spent much extended time elsewhere um, until I moved to New York. Um, So I was just constantly surrounded, you know, by the same thing and the same just underlying, you know, kind of racism that exists there um and until I moved to New York and people truly looked at me and were like you're beautiful, not like beautiful for an Asian girl, but you're just pretty and like you're just smart and you're, you know, because it's like you you grow up in the south and it's like, oh, well you're pretty for someone who doesn't look like everybody and, you know, you're accomplished for someone who isn't like everybody else. But then you come somewhere like New York and you're just appreciated for 100% who you are and no one sees, you know, anything other than that. Um that was, you know, a truly beautiful just um, awakening moment and you know, another reason why I try to treat everyone, you know, with no judgment and and always get to know people.
0: How long have you been up in New York?
1: Um almost often on for three years, you know, with COVID, things got a little bit weird. Um, nice. But I started making that move up when I was about 20 um, and gotcha. went back and forth for a little bit. Um, but I've been here full time for for two now.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. I love New mm-hmm. York. Uh, yeah, s-
1: it's the best.
0: I, I don't want to quickly pass over what you said. You said something right yeah. there that was pivotal. And I want people to know, can we please stop, I think, saying a compliment and then backhanding it? Right. Yeah. Oh, you're pretty pretty for a for like a, a what yeah like that shit is annoying we have to stop doing that like yeah. just shut the hell up <laughs> that's just for everybody listening to that may or may and, have not have done and that like- or someone that has done that I mm-hmm. I really I hate when people say stuff like that it's like just shut up right yeah. why are you even talking to me right. but like she said right. it's like small minded yeah. you know
2: ignorance is right. what it is right yeah. I mean she moves to like one of the biggest melting pots in the world and it's like you're beautiful and unique, just as you are
1: period, so, right. Uh, and it was such a crazy moment. And like, I even find myself kind of, I think the way I coped with it too, growing up was turning to self deprecation. And I would make jokes about myself, and I would turn it on myself. And um, even now, you know, like you mentioned, if, if someone's like, Oh, you're just amazing as you are, I'm like, yeah, for a blah, 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 you know, like, I, I still combat it with that, like, defensiveness and that self-deprecation because I'm so used to getting it. Um, so it's still, you know, it's still a learning journey to, like, fully love and accept myself for sure.
0: Well, I want to talk about that journey.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, starting back, you, you had mentioned growing up in South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, specifically Spartan, Spartanburg, right? Yeah, Spartanburg. <laughs> Spartanburg, you know, we got to do a little research on you, right? Good. You said it was a little racism there and some other things. Like, talk about that mm-hmm. experience. What is it? What was it like growing up in Spartanburg?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I don't think that saying, you know, like racism is is always accurate. I think racial ignorance is um, what you typically find there. Um, And again, you know, I just, you know, I hate to talk negatively about, about anything or about the people that raised me and the town and the place that raised me, but it was hard. And I think that, you know, hopefully my experience and me sharing what it was like growing up in a place that um, knowingly or unknowingly, you know, exhibited racism towards me. I think that we can all use that as a learning experience to to grow and to be better and to, you know, open our minds and um, really educate ourselves. You know, I, I, and I try to empathize with, you know, sometimes. That saying of, you know, people just don't know better because they haven't been exposed to it. They haven't experienced this. And I do completely understand that. But I think then um, then it's your responsibility to open your ears and your eyes and to listen to people like me and, and other people. You know, we have access to the Internet. We have access to the TV. Like listen to these stories and see that these things aren't just happening in New York City and L.A. These things are happening in these small southern towns. And while everything is perfect and great for you, there are people very close to you, struggling and dealing with racism and, and aggression, and um, it is our responsibility to open our eyes and see that it's right beside us, and you know, take accountability for it.
2: Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, also in Spartanburg, mm-hmm. you entered. You started entering uh, pageants. Yeah,
1: I did. Okay.
2: So, when did you start that?
1: So I started, it was my freshman year of high school. Um, and a little other fun fact about me, my dad is very musical. So I grew up playing the violin, the piano, guitar, and taking voice lessons. Um, oh, wow. yeah. So I, you know, loved music and loved performing and I was a freshman and, um, our, our high school had a pageant with a talent portion. So I was like, Oh, awesome. I'll enter the pageant. I'll sing. You're ready? <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is uh, cool. I'll, I'll join okay. that. So, um, I ended up winning, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like all the senior girls were like, "This bitch." <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but then someone came up to me um, and said, "You know, you should compete for Miss Spartanburg Teen, my hometown." So I was like, "Okay, why not?" So I did it. Won that. I went to Miss South Carolina. Um, didn't end up winning that year, but I fell in love with it, and again, um, fell in love with you know, the idea of one, showcasing our beauty and being proud of it to, you know, showing off our talents and performing. Um, and then three, the the platform and then the social initiative aspect of it. Um, that was where I was able to um, develop and launch my nonprofit for Adopted and Foster Kids. Um, so I did that when I, when I was 15. And then I continued that on to the next year when I went to Mid-South Carolina Teen. And, um, you know, locked up and, and ended up winning that year, um, was able to go to Miss America's Outstanding Teen and, and, you know, share, you know, my advocacy for kids in foster care and adopted kids um, on a national platform. And um, for the rest of my life, really, until, um, you know, I moved away, that was my priority was, you know, my, my platform and um, the organizations that I, that I supported in my state. Um, because again, I, I felt that need. I felt like I was kind of a, a sole voice in a community of, of unheard kids that were in the foster system and, and that were adopted. And so I tried to you know do everything I could to to bring a light to that and to um, relate to them and, and try to serve as a role model for them. So um, that's really where a lot of my uh, motivation for pageantry came from was the ability to have that platform to be able to you know amplify my voice.
0: Ryan, did she not just drop uh, so much right there? I mean, (laughs) winning pageants, break this down. Winning uh, pageants
2: (laughs) as a freshman, starting nonprofits, and moving to New York at 20 years old. I mean,
0: she started nonprofits. She's probably the wrong
2: person to talk about. You know, like you know, if you you look at your age, yeah, 23. It's like, but once again, (laughs) they're just another example of a woman Mm. who's mature beyond her years, right? I mean, you're doing big things, so just another example that
0: age doesn't dictate experience and correct matured.
1: yeah um, and again i don't share any of that to belittle anybody else or to make anyone feel insecure about what they've been through but i am proud of what i've accomplished because i've persevered through a lot i've had to work really hard it wasn't just handed to me um you know anybody can make it happen if you want to so um yeah I- i'm proud of it
2: so i'm sure those pageants must have made you extremely confident i mean did people <laughs> in your hometown and moving forward did they take that as cockiness in a way from you
1: oh my gosh no absolutely not um anyone that knows me is like she is so hard on herself she needs to calm down it's like everything that I accomplish I always again it just goes back to that you know original thought of not being good enough and being different and not fitting in it's like that will be something that I always carry with me um and certainly something that I carried with me throughout my years in in pageantry and um and beyond of course anytime you're putting yourself out there it's like just because you win the pageant doesn't mean you feel the most beautiful um you know it doesn't mean you you feel the best you know um and it's like i think that also is something that i think is important is to like not assume what people are feeling and to always check in on people and ask them it's like i don't want to get too far into it but it's like you know never assume you know what people are feeling without asking um and again yeah. you know that that confidence certainly as a teenager was was not there <laughs>
0: Sarah, here on talking it out. This is what we, exactly what we do, talk it out. Yeah. What was that you were about to say that you you paused yourself for a second? Yeah. so I don't want to get too deep into it. What yeah.
1: Well, I was just saying like too deep into like the the journey. I was gonna say something that was a little bit more applicable to to some of the stuff that went down with me in the end of my journey. Yeah. I think it was was hurtful because it's um, it felt like people were just assuming my confidence and assuming how I felt. Um, but you know, none of the girls ever stopped to ask how. I was feeling or how I was doing, um, or stop to say, you know, Hey, it seems like you're really confident, but are you, you know, are you okay? Are you struggling? And it's like, I always tried to, to make an effort to reach out to the girls that I was friends with, to make sure that just on a human level, they were okay. This is a hard experience. And it's like, I, I wasn't given that same love in return. Um, and they, you know, saw me meeting with the therapist all the time and and traveling with the therapist and taking, you know, full advantage of that service. And, you know, I have no shame in sharing that I partook in that. Um, But clearly, yeah, um, but it's like clearly, you know, if you if you really are looking out for each other, you know, you can see that someone's struggling. And um, it was pretty heartbreaking that none of the girls did, um, you know, stop to ask how I was doing. They just kind of assumed.
2: And how often does that happen? The person that seems to be the most confident, you know, nobody really talks to them or checks in on them. So they may be struggling the most Compared to somebody else, so I, yeah, totally feel you because the moment I knew there was a psychiatrist on the show,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: that changed the game for me. Oh yeah, it was just uh, it was just an outlet for you to basically spill all your feelings out to, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: that that was everything. So I yeah. can totally feel you on that,
0: uh, Sarah. I, I I love to, and I would want to keep on uh, praising you, but I have to look from the other perspective of how the abilities yeah. felt. Mm-hmm. And so what we got to hear from watching it back is that you were the other girls felt some of the other girls felt that you may have been making your relationship with Clayton seem like it was the one like they were mm. they were over with. like they were, you know, they felt some type of way. They felt um, that your relationship was you were making it seem as if your relationship with Clayton was number one, nothing else mattered. and They should basically just go home not the words that were exactly said, but the gist of how it came across. Mm-hmm. What do you say to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I take accountability for anything that I've said. Um, however though, you know, I, I'm aware of what I shared with people and um, if anything, it was, it was, it was kind of more negative things. It was like, you know, when I got back from my date in the underwear, I was talking about how I was really upset and felt really insecure and felt like he wasn't having a good time and how I was just crying to my producer about not wanting to be my underwear. And then of course, you know, when I come back from the second one-on-one, I was just a complete mess because I had been sobbing all night and I just honestly needed someone to be there for me. Um, So I am kind of a, a a bit confused on how I guess I get that. I think what they did was they heard those details. They heard, oh, it was, it was a different type of date. You were emotional. It brought out, um, you know, it, it brought out really emotional conversations between the two of you. I think that's what they heard. And while, yeah, that's true. I don't think that that means or implies that, oh, I just have the best relationship. You know, the words, I have the best relationship. I have a better relationship no, those, than you. I don't you. think those words were said. Those were never uh, words those, that those, would have come
0: those, Sarah, Sarah, those mouth. words weren't said. <laughs> yeah. were, and I haven't spoken to all the girls, but I'm going to defend them right now and say those words were not said. But yeah. at the same time, your response just confused me and the listeners. So if you're saying, oh, I was insecure because uh, I just had a one-on-one date with Clayton because of my body being shown X, Y, and Z. But then the other girls, from what they show, what we've seen on the show, they're saying, Sarah is saying things along the nature of she that bitch.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So what what is this like it, I, I there's no way that I can believe that there's just completely two white polar black, opposites. Like yeah. polar opposites. This ain't I don't yeah. yeah. I can't correlate anything right now. Help me correlate that. Yeah. Like, what is the deal?
1: Yeah. I think what it comes down to is truly like someone saying something, something someone taking it a different way, and then not communicating about it and not clarifying that. Um and I do get that, you know, I of course said, you know yeah we did have emotional conversations and i do feel like i got closer to him than i would have if we hadn't have had that conversation but do i wish that i could have had a beautiful date and not cried my ass out to him yes i very much wish that um you know it it's also just interesting to me that i feel like every time someone shares their side of this story it's completely different every time. There's always missing pieces to the story. Um, You know, I would like to kind of share my experience of exactly what happened no, without, I'm, no, I'm so this is, without what missing with pieces. Us. Well,
2: this is uh this is actually a good segue. I would want to <laughs> ask you about Teddy in particular. She was yeah. on our sister podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically stated that she would have confronted you earlier as Mm -hmm. early as week two after your one on one. But she said you would go to all the strongest relationships in the house individually off camera. And as a group, they didn't know what was being said as a whole. Right. And at the same and at the time, she wasn't sure that you necessarily knew what you were doing. But after the alleged lies came out. Now she's basically saying that she's convinced that there couldn't have been pure intentions there. Mm.
1: So Mm -hmm. how do
2: you respond to that? And I guess if you want to fill in those gaps as far as your side and what potentially we didn't see, Mm -hmm. let us know about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, like I don't want to diminish anyone's experience, but I do see a lot of lies being told, just kind of blatant lies about things that supposedly came out of my mouth that just simply did not. Um, and you know, intentions that, you know, you can't tell me what my intentions were. I'm, you know,
0: can no one tell you what your intentions are.
1: Right. And so, you know, just from kind of the beginning of it, what I'll say, um, is that, you know, in the beginning, um, Teddy and Rachel and I were really, really close The three of us. Um, and we all shared things with each other, you know, Teddy came back from, um, I think a group date of hers and was saying, oh, Clayton said that. Um, just to be patient. Um, once there's less girls here, we'll be able to spend quality time together. And then he mentioned me meeting members of his family. So she was sharing that information with me, and I never said anything about it. Rachel was sharing the fact that they talked about, um, you know, him meeting her family and, and things along that line. Um, you know, they shared that with me, and that was fine with me. I was supportive of that. I never, one never had that intimate of a conversation with him. Him and I really didn't speak about meeting families and being patient until there were less girls there. He never said anything like that to me. So it's like, I could have taken those comments and said exactly what they're saying, that it makes me feel less, but I didn't because I was in my own lane. I was in my own relationship. And those were also private details that they shared with me that they clearly didn't want shared on camera and that I kept confidential. They shared them in, in confidence. In confidence. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and again, also not something that I held against them. And of course it was, you know, intimate details that sure. In theory, should they have made me feel worse about my relationship? Maybe. But at the same time, it was like, I was, very good at being like just because someone else's relationship is great doesn't mean that mine isn't also great. Um, And and that was kind of the mindset that I always had. Um, So when it came to me sharing things that were, again, nowhere even along the lines of what they were sharing with me, I never thought, oh, this would make them feel insecure. They never shared that with me. And then we actually, yeah, go ahead.
0: no finish that. Finish that thought.
1: Yeah. So then, um, In fact, um, when we were in Croatia and Mara was confronting me on the stairs um, and she mentioned something about some of the girls are feeling insecure by what you're sharing. I knew that it would have been Teddy and Rachel because, in fact, those were I mean, you can tell from the show, I'm very soft spoken. I don't I'm not involved in a lot of conversations. The only girls that I ever confided in and ever shared any details with were Teddy and Rachel. So as far as her trying to bring in Susie or Gabby or anyone like that, like I love them. I have nothing against them, but I wasn't close with them. I wasn't having personal conversations, off-camera conversations in their room at night about my relationship. If they were privy to any of the details about my relationship, it's because someone else was telling them. It's not because I was telling them.
2: So for the record, you did not go to them Correct. all four of them individually, <laughs> you told maybe two and then they basically Correct. translated that information to the others.
1: Correct. So as so, far as right. well, with so that we, being said, yeah, go ahead.
2: Finish up.
0: That, or no, yeah. Here.
1: So what exactly had happened was what they're also failing to mention is that I didn't go into their room. We were roommates. I was in my room with my roommate. That was Teddy. And I came back from my one on one that night in Croatia when yeah. I was clearly really upset, had just been through the ringer. Um, and yeah, I was venting. I would say that I was venting. I was mad. I was sad. And she was my best friend in the house. Um I was freaking out. And yeah, I vented to her in our room um with Rachel, but I wasn't singling them, them out to try to make them feel worse. I was truly just upset. I was just upset. You I just, being
0: manipulative. Yeah,
1: it, absolutely. And if it came across manipulative or if it hurt anyone in a negative way, impacted anyone in, in a negative way, I fully apologize for that. And I did apologize for that. And what I was actually getting to next is that, um, you know, after that transpired that situation of, of me coming back from my date and being really upset and going into our room and speaking about my experience, um, The next day at the rose ceremony in Croatia, when I heard that Mara um, again was sharing, Oh, some people in the house feel insecure about you. Again, I knew it could only be Teddy and Rachel because those were the only people that from my mouth I had spoken to about my relationship. So immediately, this wasn't shown, but immediately I went to Teddy and Rachel and pulled them aside privately and said, It's come to my attention that you might be feeling insecure about some of the things I've shared with you and I want to talk about it. I want to get to the bottom of it. And they said, yeah, the things that you shared with us the other night, we get that you were upset, but they made us feel insecure about our relationship. And immediately I was upset and was like, I am so sorry. I take full accountability for that. I never ever meant to say anything to hurt you. I'm sorry. I spoke out of emotion and I was overwhelmed, but nothing I ever shared with you was shared with the intent of hurting you. And I apologize. And I hope that you can forgive me and move forward. And I said, and I hope the same for you as well, you know, and I'm because we were all sharing things again, all three of us were sharing things with each other. And so we came to the agreement. We And this is actually what also wasn't shown. They both said, yeah, we understand that we've been sharing things too. And I think it's getting to a point where all three of us have great relationships with great potential. And it's getting to a point where maybe we just don't share as many details about it. And it was like, got it. Moving That's on. I'm glad so we t- squashed t- that. Which makes
2: sense. So well, I, time out. Yeah. I just want to bring this up. So yeah. Sheik uh, also on after a happy hour, she clarified that they weren't necessarily, at least she wasn't, Mm -hmm. feeling insecure based on what you were saying about your relationship with Clayton. It was Mm -hmm. the quote-unquote lies. And I know there's a situation about maybe Uh, you mentioning that you both cried, you and Clayton cried together, which he stated wasn't the case. Like, was that the quote-unquote only lie was that a lie i mean for the record so i think
1: that's what i think that's what she's referring to when she says lie because nothing else i've said could be possibly misconstrued as a lie but the thing i never once said that clayton cried i said that i cried to him and so they said oh so you were crying together and i said yes but that i never said oh my gosh he's crying to me again i think that's where it's like the communication was just Uh, really foggy and like I never once said that he cried to me. Clearly, if you see it, it's like I'm the one just crazily upset. And I was just saying that I was like crying into him, like literally into his body. I was like collapsing into him and just like more upset than I had been the entire journey. I never once said that he was crying to me. I think they took that as like, oh, you were crying together. He was crying to you as was, well. Was that and it's conversation like,
0: with all three of y'all?
1: Correct. Yeah, okay, the conversation so, was so, with with all of and us. So,
0: all of you guys being you, Sarah, Teddy, and Rachel. Correct? Right,
1: exactly. So and, no one else so was involved in that.
0: Wh- why? And this is me playing devil's advocate, so don't yeah. get mad me. I'm just doing my job. So why would two people say the same thing?
1: Yeah, no. And I I completely get that. And I've even run it back in my head. I'm like, did I fuck up? Like, Did I say that? And I'm like, no, I know I didn't because I was so fixated on, honestly, like my own emotion and me crying. I think truly what happened is they got in their heads, they talked to each other about it and said, oh, she, remember when she said that? Yeah. Yeah. She said that. You know, it's like almost when you it's like you hear what you want to hear and you believe what you want to believe. And I feel like, you know, I hate to throw people under the bus, but I feel like it's like the more you kind of lie to yourself and convince yourself that that's what happened, you convince yourself that that's true. Um, and again, it's unfortunate because, you know, all these conversations are conveniently off camera. Um, yeah. So there's no, again, record of me saying this or not saying this, and I understand that. Um, but again, it, you know, to me isn't relevant. And to me, it's just another effort to, you know, make me sound Aren't like a liar so when I'm not.
2: So, did, so for week, the record. For the record, you did not for lie. For
1: the, for the record, for the record, you did not lie. I did not lie. I did okay. not say that Clayton cried to me. I said gotcha. I cried with him. So if that comes across as he cried to me, I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's fair not enough. what you it know,
0: said. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. And also all three of y'all were sharing uh, parts of y'all's relationship with Clayton. And then it got to yeah. a point to where things went yeah. down to a point to where y'all was, it was mm-hmm. not enough people there. So you decided right. all three of y'all decided to not speak about your relationships as much
1: exactly the three of us stood together in a huddle in croatia at that rose ceremony (laughs) and we did we were sitting there and um we we said we all i mean again it wasn't a hostile conversation at all it was it was me saying
0: just for yeah yeah. just to understand clearly on and just want to understand clearly because if we were to talk to teddy or rachel i want to make sure i understand them clearly and they have the opportunity to have the floor as well because we'll be respectful everyone So last week, uh, Clayton did send you home. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that there was anything that you could have done differently after, I mean, or or said something different to Clayton or the therapist?
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, in regards to, to to the way I handled it with Clayton, I think again I was blindsided. Um, And I think that, you know, I know a lot of people are are roasting me about my emotion and and questioning the sincerity of me being upset. Um, But to answer that, it's like, that was the pinnacle of of all the emotion I felt on the entire season like just because I didn't have tears rolling down my face didn't mean I was upset because it was a combination of, of anger, of frustration, of sadness, of, exa- of exhaustion. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And it, I think it just, it also hit me that, you know, not only were the girls I considered my best friends in the house going behind my back and saying these things to Clayton when we just had a conversation saying that we forgave each other and that we were moving forward and we were putting in the past to blindside me and then re-bring that up weeks later, a week later in Vienna, without even coming to me first, that was hitting me. And then it was hitting me that again, this man that I have been thinking I've had this amazing relationship with is putting me on the spot and hitting me with this accusation and almost presenting it in a way of like, here's this piece of information, defend yourself, prove yourself to me. And if you don't, you're going home. And it just, to be honest, I ran out of fight. I ran out of energy to put into this because I had since Croatia and even since the beginning, been constantly fighting and putting myself out there and proving myself to him. And it's like, at what point do I, have the Does dignity for you? to yeah have someone fight for me and also just have the self-respect to say if you have to question that if you have to sit in and, and ask me if i'm purposely manipulating people then you don't know me and you're not my person and that's what i wanted to come out of my mouth and i didn't have the balls to say it so i and think the right confusion now. on my face <laughs> That's where the confusion came from, is because I was trying to navigate that anger into tears so that I didn't say anything mean. And
2: you spoke it <laughs> loud and, and so, you spoke it loud and clear on a, a story that you posted. Don't yeah. ever settle for a man who speaks down to you. Yeah. So you basically felt yeah. Clay and spoke down to
0: you.
1: I did. So, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
0: I'm hearing. I'm listening, because you know I want to hear every aspect from the horse's mouth. Yeah. When the psychologist said that someone's being yeah, performative. She mm-hmm. threw you under the bus.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> she she came bus. with it. I need to hear those thoughts because yeah, help me help me understand you, clear that air. Yeah, she said that she didn't say you specifically, but yeah, you know, yeah, she said someone's being performative, and that's kind of ultimately where Clayton said, "Okay, defend yourself." You know, yeah, and now go home.
2: Yeah, and after that, answer, after you answer that question, do you think Clayton right. would have known? or questioned you like that had it not been for the psychologist? Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, so first off, um, you obviously don't get to see every single detail of that mm-hmm. therapy session, um, but some of the things I did share in that therapy session was, again, some of the things that stick with me and that I think take me stemming from you know my adoption and my upbringing, um, I shared how my experiences and love have have hurt me and how, um, you know, I've been cheated on. I've been, you know, told that they just don't love me anymore. Like things like that. I was sharing really, really vulnerable, emotional things there. So when a
0: therapist said that someone's being performative, yeah. Speaking direct about you, what was that like? Not about this therapist, you know, credentials or anything of that nature, but saying that you were being performative and that's ultimately what led to your demise on the show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your question, Brian, I do think that that is what led Clayton to, you know, confront me about the situation was those therapist's words for sure. Um,
0: Wait, you're saying Brian. I'm, are you talking well, Brian? He well, he asked he's, me she's before. She's answering my question but from, from like before two questions oh, ago. okay. I'm like,
1: hold yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were you you asking me. like, did I think that that's <laughs> what ultimately led to Clayton confronting me about it? And yes, that is um, what I think did lead him to ultimately confronting me.
2: I got one more question. Mike, you go first. One Gentleman last question first. about that.
0: Go ahead.
2: I just want to know if that therapist does not derail your journey, because basically let's be honest. I mean, if Clayton wasn't aware of certain things, like, you know, that a lot of America's ripping him because he didn't make certain decisions, but he got that feedback in that moment and he did what he did. Yeah. If you don't get derailed by that therapist, where do you feel, how far do you feel you go with Clayton?
1: Yeah. I mean, again, what's crazy is like, I'm thank thank you for asking because no one ever asked me that. Everyone just assumed, oh, you would have gotten engaged. You were so in love with him. And it's like no one ever asked me how I was feeling or what I, where I was in my relationship. So I appreciate you actually asking. Um, again, I had my own reservations coming out of that second one-on-one because I okay. felt like um, I just felt really blindsided by him spending that whole day with me in Croatia, talking about you know where we wanted to live after the show and just our views on like marriage and and kids and things like that. It's like, how did you have those conversations with me and mean it when all day you were harboring this accusation that you were going to throw at me when you were you were questioning if I was even ready for marriage and but you yet were talking about it with me all day and then didn't bring it up to me until the night. Um, it just felt again. I started feeling like. Collateral. I started feeling like collateral and I started feeling like I wasn't actually an integral part of his journey. I felt like I was someone that he saw as expendable. I felt like he was okay with inserting me into the drama and putting me in uncomfortable situations. Um, so beyond any of that going down in Vienna, I was already having my own concerns. Um, you know, while, yeah, I would have been, you know, potentially open to him meeting my family because I do think that's sometimes that clarifies a lot of questions and um, you know, makes things just more, that much more real. Um, I don't think that we would have ultimately been together. I think we were both figuring out that we weren't each other's person. And that's totally okay. That's totally okay. That. That's totally that. okay. Yeah. yeah. But I think what sucks is that we were on the path. Genuinely, we were on the path to figuring out we weren't each other's person. I just wish we could have figured that out for ourselves without other people trying to figure it out for us.
0: Yeah. It's fair. Not That's it fair. You just being mm-hmm. completely natural. Uh, yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for you know taking this and just being honest and giving your story because we always love to hear directly mm-hmm. from the individual's mouth. And I feel that you've done that completely. Uh, yeah. Truly do. But for, for the record, I do like a part two. Uh, for the, um, but, I'm
1: ready. <laughs>
0: you know, we got to drop a gem. You've been dropping them all day today. So what you got for us?
1: All right, all right. Let me just reference this. okay yes this is so hopefully i've dropped some good gems for you already um but something that is really special to me um is a quote that says you know it's not about what you have in your life but who you have in your life um and that is something that i've learned through experience and that i've learned through life um that the people around you are really all that matters um the quality of people you surround yourself with is what matters. I've certainly learned through this entire experience and through my entire life that I would not be who I am today. I don't even know if I would be here today if it wasn't for the people and the quality of people um, that have been there for me throughout my entire life. Um, And yeah, I'm just so, so thankful, um, you know, for the people that love and support me, um, you know, and the people to come. That's crazy that sometimes, you know, you haven't even met everyone that you're going to love yet. So um, I am I excited. mean, that's a
2: perfect segue into, A, would you be on Paradise? And <laughs> two, is there anybody out there in Bachelor Nation that you would like to uh,
0: get to know a little bit better? Of course, there's somebody. So who is this somebody? Not is there anybody?
1: God, you hit me on an interesting day. Um, yeah, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. Again, I am... I love my life and I love the people in my life. And it would take a lot to pull me away from that again. Um, so I think it would take a special potential. So who um, would you like
0: sliding in your DMs and you could have a conversation without a TV camera? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, to be honest with you, I don't know. I'm holding out hope for this new cast of men. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, my vibe is someone that's a little more like, not doesn't make me love being in the limelight like someone who's not really consumed by the show someone that's a little bit more you know just like views this as a, a page and a chapter of their life not their entire life and um i think i'm still looking for that in
2: so the, someone so nobody nobody in the <laughs> landscape that you see as of now meets
0: that criteria yeah. I mean, there are you know, a lot of, out of all the guys a lot of the guys yeah. you know i will defending some of the guys they don't look at this as like they're.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe (laughs) I should be introduced to those people because I haven't met them yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think I need to. five guys
0: and I'll tell you who, which one is, you know.
1: Oh gosh. Well, I guess. In regards to what you're talking. I've only really, we've only like really been kind of circulating around like Michelle and Katie's guys. So I'm really gonna need to like go deeper into the archives a bit. Into Um, the archives. And it's (laughs) like a lot of great guys are in happy relationships, like guys that I would have said a few months ago I'd be interested in, they are in happy relationships. So I'm I'm very happy for them. But that took away some of my my prospects.
2: Look how how coy she's being. She really is. So now by deductive reasoning, we got to go back and
0: see who's in a relationship, who just got uh, in a relationship. You don't want us to assume, right? So like, what's what's up? I don't like assuming.
1: um, DM me after.
0: <laughs> she said DM me after. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um,
1: mm.
0: oh, so wonderful. Never say
1: never, but listen, I've learned the hard All way. Right. I'm not putting any, anything on, on record. See you on the beach, Sarah.
0: <laughs> see you on the beach.
1: <laughs> you might. I don't know. It's a truly, I don't know. <laughs>
0: Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. I thought you were a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't wait to see you. what you continue to do in your life. Appreciate you Thank you, coming you so on. much.
1: I appreciate both of you. Hope to talk soon.
0: All right, take care. Brian, that was a great gem by Sarah, man. How do you top that? What do you have? Uh,
2: I don't know if I do top that, man, but I just saw a post the other day that caught my attention. Goes a little something like this. We suffer more often in imagination than in reality. There is nothing in this world that can trouble you as much as your own thoughts. Stop overthinking. Stop overthinking, everyone.
0: Just do it. I cannot agree with that more. I cannot agree with that more for so many reasons. My gym actually kind of goes into that, uh, which is like the things that we think is just eating and is sabotaging our happiness and our is zapping our energy. And so my hot take today was if someone's talking shit about you, that's their business, that's not your business. Literally, by you allowing them to talk that shit and you start to in- engage with that, you're now going into their conversation, right? Focus, focus your you. energy. Focus your Focus energy. Focus on you. And I think that would have, uh, you know, gone a long way. Being a lead on a show like uh, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, uh, is trying your best. I know it's easier said than done, but uh, love having Sarah on today. I thought she was really intelligent. Uh, can't wait. I want to see now. I want to talk to uh, Teddy and right? Rachel. Let's have a round
2: like, table discussion and, and get everything well, need, out. In the I, open. We need
0: all three of them. We need all three right. of them. Need, we need to hear it. We need to hear it. But uh, Sarah does. <sighs> she's an intelligent woman. She's done so much. Once she's so again, man. so young age
2: right we had yeah. Serena P on another 23 year old now we have Sarah yes. on I mean two very intelligent women with good head on their shoulders Serena is like
0: she's she's on a Mount Rushmore of 23 year olds like if there was a 23 year old Mount Rushmore Serena's on that Mount Rushmore all shout, out, shout, shout out to those
2: women and uh to all of you listeners out there thank you so much for tuning into today's episode and guys once again I have to harp on this fact. We are casting for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So make sure to head to bachelornation.com forward slash apply. That's bachelornation.com forward slash apply. Remember, you never know. You
0: might find the love of your life. You might just find the love of your life. And you know, we always love to hear your opinions, your stories, your insights. So please don't forget to like, comment, share, message, follow us on social at Talking It Out. Be as a Bachelor and as a nation on IG. And as always, Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and listen to us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And baby, don't make me tell you no more. Don't DM me no more until you hit that subscribe. We love y'all.